This episode is brought to you by Broad Street Publishing. Every war has to have a bad guy and a good guy. So therefore, I have to have an enemy in order to have a war. And the reality is, is that we only have one enemy. Media producer and promoter Joe Battaglia joins us on this episode. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Welcome to the Bold Idea Podcast, episode number three. This is your co-host, Larry Gates, and I'm here with Armin Asadi. Armin. We're doing it big. Three episodes. <laughs> That's right. Count them. Count them. One. <laughs> you don't even need a full hand, right? Okay. Well, we're off to the great start here. This is launch week at Bold Idea Podcast. But you know what today is? By the time this show comes out, what is today, Armin? I don't know. <laughs> Why are you testing me in ways that I will fail? I don't like this. For, <laughs> for today. It has to do with our guest, actually. It's kind of a theme. What? Okay. It is Inauguration Day. Oh, that's right. I completely yeah. forgot yeah. So about that. So this episode is going to be released on Inauguration Day, wow. which is why we have a guest here that's a little politically incorrect. He's involved with yes, he the is. inauguration, isn't he? He is co-hosting one of the balls or whatever that's going on. And uh, I mean, that was nonchalant. That's a really big deal. <laughs> it is a big it's, deal. I don't think a lot of people just get to host <laughs> a ball of the presidential inauguration well in dc when you meet our guest here as we'll get to in a minute you'll you'll see he, he is a he's an incredibly humble man but very accomplished we're gonna be talking to joe battaglia today he is the founder and president of renaissance communication he's the executive producer of the number one christian radio program keep the faith heard nationally in 200 markets and 80 countries overseas and this guy has been involved with nearly every kind of christian film that's come out uh and a number of them the, the passion the line the witch in the wardrobe polar express facing the giants fireproof you know we just had polar Stephen express is ki- christian i don't yeah, know well, i don't know i oh. mean it, it, it's it's no, I, I gotta watch it. Sorry, <laughs> interrupt the, the <laughs> laundry yeah, we list just, of accomplishments. We, you know, it, it, we just had Stephen Kendrick on our last episode, but facing the giants, fireproof, courageous. I didn't even ask if those guys. I mean, sure, they know each other, well, right? Obviously, right? Yeah. obviously, right? <laughs> you know, Soul Surfer. I mean, just a ton of movies that he's been involved with. He served on the board of the Gospel Music Association for 19 years. You know what I love about his bio? I didn't ask him about this, but I should have. It says he can still be found hanging around some street corners in New Jersey with old friends singing doo-wop songs because that's where Jesus might be if he were around today. That's hilarious. Isn't that great? I'm going to New Jersey just to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Joe Battaglia is, you'll see, he's a soft-spoken guy, but a penetrating message. And we're going to just get right into that and it's a perfect episode for today because we are in such a politically charged culture right Right. and there's been so much divisiveness that's gone on yeah in the last you know election cycle that i can't think of a better guest really to have on our program than a joe pataglia if we want to talk about a bold idea you've got to listen to what he has to say because it'll just it'll just transform the way you think about what's going on in our culture that's right let's get it on all right well, Joe, thanks for being on the podcast, the Bold Idea Podcast. I've been so looking forward to our conversation today. 
Hey, Larry, so have I. I've enjoyed our discussion so far and uh, looking forward to what we uh, are going to do today. Yeah. Well, you know, you've had quite a career in journalism, media, and, and music. I was reading on one of your bios that you've had a lot of firsts, right? Uh, you produced the first live nationally syndicated PK program, uh, the first live radio broadcasts of the Dove Awards, the first live radio broadcast of the Concert of Prayer and the National Day of Prayer, Concert of Prayer, and the first live radio broadcast for the VeggieTales National Release. And you're involved in releasing a lot of movies. You're probably doing that even even now in terms of the publicity and other things related mm-hmm. to it. I don't know how you keep it all straight. Well, I don't either. So is that what I've done? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least that's I, I could go on and on, but I think that that's a good start. You know, is you know, you've had quite a quite a history here of doing a lot of different things. Kind of what stands out to you is is particularly noteworthy. Maybe something that that God called you into that you didn't expect you'd be doing. Well, I think my whole life is something I didn't expect to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it that way. I think each of us, when we go into a particular field or are in college, anticipating what our major is going to be and what our career is going to be. We never envision what God does with us until after it happens. Mm -hmm. And the whole key is just being open and available to however he may lead. So, you know, I'm a journalist by training and degree uh, profession. As I graduate college, I had done so much of that as a stringer when I was in high school for newspapers and in college and so forth. And then I get out of college and I start my own Christian magazine for New York, Mm. maybe the the first Christian magazine for New York. Another first. Another first. (laughs) And so through that, I did a story on the switch of a radio station, which was my favorite rock station here in New York in 1974, I do a story on it because it switches all of a sudden on April Fool's Day to a gospel format. And because I was doing my magazine for the Christian community, I do a story on that and bring it back to the general manager at the time, who was not a Christian. And he invited me to lunch the next day so that he could offer me the job as their token Christian salesperson. <laughs> so are they, they switched to format just temporarily, just as a April Fool's joke is what you're no, saying? No, no, no. It, was they, the, a permanent switch. Format. Yeah, okay. that's what you do. You okay. pick out a fun time during the year maybe to do it, and okay. then you just do it. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so they switched it as that was the new format, Okay. the gospel format, and I did a story on it. And brought it back to him after I had published it in my June issue of the magazine. And that's when he offered me the job to be their Christian salesperson because nobody there at the radio station was. <laughs> and that is how I got into my radio career. That's like really stepping into a new market for them, isn't it? It really it was for, it was for them and me because yeah. I was really a print journalist in my training and everything. And so little did I know that that was the beginning of my career in Christian broadcasting, the nascent stages of the contemporary of what was to be the contemporary Christian music startup. And I was involved then at the very beginning of that, even before it was named that. And then everything else I have gotten is as a result of all that. Yeah. So little did I know that that's where God would lead me because there was no such thing at the time when I became a believer of what I was to be involved in. And so it has been one 
very interesting new thing for me over the past 40 years that has now turned into a career. And I think that's a lesson that a lot of people who may be listening and wondering, how can I know what to do or how am I going to manage my career? Or The reality is that when we are in God's plan, we are at his beck and call. Mm. And if we just relax and do the right thing at the right time we're doing it, all doing God's will simply is, is taking one step at a time mm. each day. And all those will then aggregate to be where you are years and years later. Yeah. And so that's why I think it says that the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and not a floodlight. I was thinking the exact same verse as you were saying that. I was thinking, you know, we only have enough light to see the next step. Yeah. And so let's learn to be content with that and to relax with that and to enjoy the path. Oh, that's, you know, and that's so freeing because I know for myself and I, and a lot of people that I talk to, they have this anxiety about not having their, their roadmap figured out, or maybe if they're later on in life, it may not have turned out the way they had thought it would when they were in their twenties, you know, and struggling with that disappointment and just seeing, all right, how does it all map out? Yeah. You know, to me, the important thing I've learned over all these years is that if I am going to be aware of what I am supposed to be doing or what God is saying to me, I really must first begin to be countercultural and counterintuitive in my view of the world and what the world tries to throw at me. Oh, and that's that's a perfect lead into your new book here. So I think maybe you were setting me up to tell our audience that Joe has this great book out called The Politically Incorrect Jesus Living Boldly in a Culture of Unbelief. And let's just start with that. Joe, what is this book about and what inspired you to write it? Sure. Well, as a journalist and as a communicator, even more important, what I do is, you know, look at what culture is saying, what life hands us. And the politically correct agenda is what I call to be intellectually dishonest. Mm. It asks us to assent to things we don't believe in and to believe in things that aren't even true. Mm. You know, it's this whole new modern paradigm of there is no truth. Mm -hmm. Well, that's about as absurd a thought as anything, Mm -hmm. because obviously there are some things which are true and us believing they are not does not make them so. So I looked at this over the past, say, decade. It's been on my heart. And when you look at the roots of where politically correct thinking began in 19th century Europe, I'm not going to bore everybody with, you know, the background of it totally. I would ask people to research it themselves. But basically, it was formed and formulated to create an us versus them mentality for the oppressed people of Europe to revolt against the landowners and, and the class system that they had been under for many, many years. The proletariat Uh, bourgeoisie thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Hegel, Marx, all took what they believed, you know, from this division of the classes in order to create division. Mm -hmm. So basically, the spirit behind politically correct thinking is to create division, not unity. Mm. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. When politically correct thinking entered into our mainstream thinking, the seedbed being 
the late 60s and all the unrest that happened there. And I was in the middle of all that in college at Boston University at the time. So I was right there when all that was happening. And so that grew and became basically the mindset of our elite and our college educated and the professors, because that was what they embraced. And so all this thinking has filtered down into our current culture and our own mentality. And that's why, well, one of the reasons why we have such division and strife in our society today, more so than I remember. And we, you know, we see that played out every day in newscasts about the divided culture we have. Part of that is because there's there's a spirit that has descended upon our culture from the politically correct agenda. You see, I'm of the firm opinion that whatever spirit one brings into a situation, that spirit is then communicated and picked up at the other end. That's why something like music is so important. You know, music being amoral, the spirit you bring into it is the spirit that will be received at the other end. Same as any spirit I bring into a relationship is received at the other end. And that's what causes division and strife. Let me see if I get this right. You're saying the politically correct ideology, if you will, has a spirit at its core of disunity. Is that what I'm hearing? That's correct. Okay. And so to to promote it, to promote its cause would be to create division, right? And Exactly. Okay. Now, not everybody who embraces politically correct thinking does that purposely. I mean, there is no plot, right? Uh-huh. That'll- People just believe that's what it should be. <clears throat> but I'm saying that that spirit, and you've, you've captured it correctly, they inadvertently will be causing a spirit of division and a spirit of strife because the spirit that created it was that spirit. Okay, so let's drive this down because at this point, it's easy to think about politically correct culture and believe that that's not anything that's really very pervasive with me. I'm... I, I don't like politically correct speech either or, you know, whatever. But, you know, in reading your book, Joe, one of the takeaways I got was that it's much more pervasive than I think it is and much more personally pervasive than I might want to admit. <laughs> what are some of the ways that you see this kind of bearing out at a very practical level in terms of how we think and what we do? I think a good way to talk about this would be to tell some stories. I think people can grasp it. And as we begin to look at, okay, what is the world asking us to believe? Okay. Mm -hmm. Number one, that we should strip away from the public square and the marketplace, the notion of God or symbols that represent faith. Why? Because the politically correct agenda says that tolerance demands that we respect each other. So therefore, we should not highlight one symbol over another. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Case in point, we just came through Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, the number one thing is, you know, the thing that has created the politically correct issue here is, all right, you don't want to see symbols on the lawns of town halls, mm-hmm. you know, government places. So right. you don't want the crash or anything else there. And only because, 
you know, somebody decided that was politically correct to remove them because you remove God from the public square so you don't offend all the people who don't believe in God, mm-hmm. which again is nonsense for this reason. I was driving with my daughter some years ago in my town here in New Jersey, and she was about five or six. And fortunately, in our town, you know, they had the crash still on the lawn of the town hall, along with the menorah, along with Santa and a few other symbols, mm-hmm. right? And so my daughter was naturally aware of who Santa was, right? And certainly she knew about the crash. But she said, Dad, what's that other thing? And she pointed to the menorah. And I had the wonderful opportunity to explain to her the story behind the menorah and the miracle of the oil that lasted eight days rather than one. And the further big story of the Maccabees revolting and fending off the oppressors of the Jewish people at the time. And it's a great historical lesson as well as a symbolic lesson of how freedom is something that is part of everybody's DNA. Mm. And so the thing that we learned that day was to remove the mystery from a symbol that she was unaware of. Mm -hmm. So what does that do? Well, that removes the mystery of who are people who that who believe in that? Well, all our Jewish friends in town, she then had a common point, a common ground of reference to understand what they believed. And it's so important that we understand and appreciate what other people believe as much as we appreciate what we believe. That is what builds tolerance. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Hey, Armin, we know a couple of guys who put together a fantastic resource. That's right. Two of my favorite mentors, Jay Coughlin and best-selling author Larry Julian, just teamed up to write a book about how to get unstuck. Their book, Five Bold Choices, will show you how to rise above your circumstances and redefine your life just like it did with me. Absolutely. You know, that book draws upon an unfortunate event in Jay's life. He made a terrible choice to drive home after drinking a decision that resulted in a car crash that killed his dad. I mean, you and I have heard that story a number of times, and it's such an impactful story of perseverance of Jay going from convicted felon to successful CEO. That's right. Indeed. And you can find that story at fiveboldchoices.com or text choices to 54900 to download a sample now. You tell a great story about common ground in your book when you were asked to find middle ground. And you make a great distinction there. Could Tell that story briefly for our audience. Sure. Of course. I was invited to Washington, D.C. about a dozen years ago because, well, I was invited by a particular party. I will not go naming parties, but I was invited by this particular party because we had been instrumental in the 2004 election in communicating issues of faith that really received a lot of attention in the public square. And we had done so without fighting the culture war or being argumentative or things like that. So they had attributed 
what we had done in one particular state to helping that state toward its particular goal of electing, you know, the president. And so they found us to be what they called the non-strident evangelicals. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's why they invited us down that's your to label. speak to their think tank Okay, at a very nice prestigious home in Georgetown by a very prominent fundraiser for that particular party and its candidates. And so we were there that night and me and another gentleman, I, I love those kinds of encounters because it was not a room filled with fellow believers. Just the opposite. It was a room filled with people who think quite differently than I do, but people are people. So my responsibility is merely to show up and have uh, God a seat at the table. And so that's the way I approach these types mm. of things. And so we went and we were answering questions about the faith community. You know, why did they do the things they do, act the way they do, believe in the things they do, because mm -hmm. it was so different than what they believed. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I find that extremely refreshing in order to do that type of thing. And so one gentleman asked me, okay, what is the middle ground of evangelicals on abortion? To which I replied, well, there is no middle ground on abortion because God's word says that we should not be the entity that disturbs the continuum of life in any situation at any level. So therefore, that is not middle ground. If we did, that would simply be a sellout to the gospel, mm. at which point he threw up his hands and said, see, there's no talking with you people. And I responded to him. I said, no, you're asking me the wrong question. It's not one of middle ground. It's one of common ground. So that common ground understands that neither you nor I have to dilute what we believe in to come to an agreement to where we intersect. Mm -hmm. So instead of arguing about what we believe, let's find the common ground in this situation on something we do believe. And that will then enable us to make progress, retain civility, and try to accomplish a win-win for both of us. Yeah, you know, that seems like the higher order principle here, because a lot of politically correct or whatever focuses on giving up something or compromising something. And uh, mm -hmm. I think that's what you're saying is it, it then puts people into the position where they have to give up something that they believe to be true in order to keep the peace, if you will, or to be perceived as being tolerant. And, exactly. Yeah. See, both, both situations don't make any sense. Mm -hmm. But again, I go back to that's the spirit that politically correct thinking brings into every situation. Let's take this down personally, though, in terms of how, how have you seen it affect you personally? I mean, how, where have you seen this politically correct culture that we have? How, how have you seen that kind of affect your own thinking in ways maybe that you didn't expect? Are there some telltale signs that we should be looking for as believers to know whether well, we've been infected by it? Yeah, good question. <clears throat> I think this, and again, I may use a story to help illustrate it best, okay? I think the biggest thing that we have to be aware of is in our relationships with each other. Mm. That's what I have found particularly disturbing in the culture war, because the reality is, as a believer, I don't have an enemy. Every war has to have a bad guy and a good guy, mm. correct? Yes. 
So therefore, I have to have an enemy mm-hmm. in order to have a war. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, from what Scripture tells me and Jesus illustrates, is that we only have one enemy, mm. and he's not flesh and blood. Mm. He is the, you know, the thief, the liar who comes to steal and destroy, and we all know him as the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. So when I am told that I have to engage in a war and fight an enemy that is not mine, it is not mine to fight, I then have to come up with, well, what's a different kind of situation? I've often said that God does not need a defense attorney, <laughs> but he does want an ambassador. Uh huh. That's good. And so when I see particular things that have happened, and the reason I, uh, part of the reason I wrote the, uh, the Politically Incorrect Jesus was so that I could get answers for myself, too, mm-hmm. as to, okay, let me go back to the person who was in the most politically, you know, correct situation, too. You know, in Jesus's day, there was, it was their own form of political correctness. Yes. So if I am going to be a Christ follower, how can I best model myself after the one who I should? Mm-hmm. And how can I use that model and his responses to set an, another standard for myself personally in a current contemporary culture war situation? <clears throat> you know, when Jesus was brought the Samaritan woman who was caught in adultery, I think that's a real wonderful image of how we might act similarly in those kinds of situations when the world brings to us the people that they feel are the pariahs. Mm. And so the first thing that Jesus does is he doesn't go rant against them. You know, what he does, I really believe he first embraced the person, the woman, in a way that allowed her, I think, to sense that he was not condemning her. Uh Condemnation is not born out of a spirit of love. Conviction is, and that's the purview of the Holy Spirit, Mm. not ours. Mm -hmm. So number one, my job is not to condemn anybody. That's great. And Jesus is very clear about that. And Mm -hmm. my job is not to be the convictor of people. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. My job is to express who Jesus is to the people in that situation. And as Jesus did, I bet he just spoke to her and looked at her and maybe even shed a tear because she was in this situation and he knew the pain in her heart. This is the quote, the one quote I use in the book about righteousness without tears is arrogance. Yes, I love that quote. And I think the world has seen too much of our righteousness and too few of our tears. Yes. And so, you know, that spoke to me as I write these things, that my responsibility to people who are caught in adultery, and that's symbolic for a lot of things you could be caught into, including Mm -hmm. myself, right? Mm -hmm. That my first response is not to decide if they are guilty or innocent, or are they to be stoned, or are they to be condemned, but rather are they to be loved the way Jesus did. And so first, I think he loves, and then, amazingly, he forgives. And at that point, he had the right at the end to say, go and sin no more. Yeah. I'm afraid that too many of us, and certainly too many in the church, start there rather than end there uh-huh. in their relationships with each other. Uh-huh. I also have a thought 
as to what really happened and th- when they dropped their stones. Hmm. Now, this isn't based on scripture. It's just what I feel God has spoken to me about. Uh-huh. I think that Jesus, in his own inimitable way, as man and God at the same time, was able to get them to see in their hearts that they were just like the woman. Yeah. And she was holding the rock. Mm. And they began to understand that their sin was sufficient enough for her to pick up the stone. Yeah. So, now again, I don't say that's, you know, I don't think that's in that chapter or that particular story. I think that's what God spoke to me about. That whenever I stand ready to pick up a stone, I need to see myself first as that person that I'm aiming at. And I think the Holy Spirit has a wonderful way of exchanging our places with the people that we want to stone. Yeah, you know, that's very consistent with Jesus saying, before you worry about the speck in your brother's eye, take out the log in your own. And then you'll be able to see clearly (laughs) to remove the speck. And I think part of that is that there's so much work that I have just to take out my own log that I, (laughs) why spend the time worrying about somebody else's speck? Well, and I think, I think that's maybe one of the main things that we as Christians ought to learn is that the politically correct agenda, if we want to even think about that, asks us to keep stoning people Mm -hmm. under the guise of tolerance and diversity and what is proper, but in whose eyes. It's amazing when you see the hypocrisy out there that only the politically correct speak can be admitted into, you know, the court here, whereas, you know, what I believe is not um, admitted, you know, as a Christian or as a follower of Christ or as, you know, something that would be against that. And that's what blindness does. That's what ideology does on both sides of the fence. You know, Christians aren't exempt because there are ideologues on both sides of the aisle here. Yeah, you know, you wrote some very powerful words that just jumped out to me when I read them. I I just read them like three times in a row. You you wrote, if you want to fight the culture war, leave Jesus out of it and leave his words out of it too. Otherwise, those who might really see Jesus in you will get confused about the gospel when you raise the flag or any other cause higher than the cross. Yep. That is just a phenomenal insight and truth. It is, because Jesus never asked us to wave a flag. Yeah. You know, so when I say, you know, whenever you lift the flag higher than the cross, you have a problem. Yeah. And I think simply that, you know, it's hard enough to get people to see who Jesus is with all the cultural stuff that has been poured into that symbol of him on the cross. So that's why he wants us to always raise the cross, which is when he said he was lifted up. People do get confused. They are confused. And, you know, what are they confused about? Well, they're confused about a religion, and they're confused about our self-righteousness, and they're confused about our lack of love, and they're confused about a lot of things. And so we need to get back lifting up who Jesus is and unconfusing people with the situation. 
and speak truth boldly, you know, and not be afraid. Your book, The Politically Incorrect Jesus, Living Boldly in a Culture of Unbelief, is just superb in that regard. And I think it's well worth any of our listeners reading more about that. And we could take a lot more time, I'm sure, talking about that. But we're out of time, unfortunately. Joe, how can our listeners find out how to reach you or learn more about the book? Well, certainly the politicallyincorrectjesus.com website. You know, you can go there, read about the book. I have 10 videos that explain some FAQs about why I wrote the book and other things like that. And so they, they, you know, they can get it anywhere. Amazon, of course, BNN, take your pick. But they would get a good insight, even download a free Bible study that I based on the book Hmm. that you could do with a small group. So the website's probably the best place, you know, to, uh, to find out more about the book. All right. Well, that's great. And we'll have the link to your website in our show notes so our listeners can get that as well. Joe, thanks for being on the Bold Idea podcast. Just really good good stuff you have in this book and very challenging and thought-provoking material. I know our listeners will enjoy reading it. Well, Larry, thank you so much for even allowing me the opportunity for this platform. And I trust that everyone who does listen really goes back to who Jesus is and finds out for themselves how powerful and wonderful and life-changing it can be to get to know him personally. Amen. Amen. All right. I mean, that was, that was Joe. That was Joe. <laughs> you know, what's funny is when I, when I got his book and started reading it, or when he sent me his book and I started reading it, the way he writes comes across in this very passionate, mm-hmm. assertive, mm-hmm. in-your-face yep raw right i don't care how this makes you feel kind of not he's not dismissive of your emotions but you know like his writing is in your face you kind of think of schwarzenegger yeah (laughs) yeah you expect like a german or russian accent but then you hear him talk and it's this very well put together yep even keel very measured very thoughtful yep and comes across as this very caring. Absolutely. Here's my opinion, but I'm not dismissing you. Yeah. Based on my opinion, I'm bringing you yep. into this common ground and I want to share this with you. Yeah. Right. And it's just such a crazy balance that he carries and walks the line so well. Isn't that I wonderful? Just, oh, I bow down to this guy. <laughs> this was great. I enjoyed uh, every every moment of our conversation together. And it's one of those things that time just goes by so quickly. And, you know, we could have just gone on I wish and you on, did. Of I'm course. not going to lie. <laughs> well, you know, I got to tell you that, you know, as you did when we were reading his book. Yeah. I mean, I just there's like quote after quote after quote. I got I'm a like, bunch, yeah. He, you know, there's one. He says, <laughs> our minds are not repositories for somebody else's garbage. Right. I mean, I like that. <laughs> that's great we treat them that way well totally you know totally you know junk junk our minds there and do that but this is the part in our episode where we like to do the takeaways armin so what are some of the takeaways that you had just in listening to joe i think some of my biggest takeaways are later in that interview so i'm curious what in the beginning what stuck out to you the most well you know i I enjoyed, and I think this is a theme that's coming up with a lot of our guests, you know, a lot, all, all, all one of them so far. <laughs> <laughs> it's not entirely true because we've had the chance of interviewing uh, many more that haven't yet aired, right. but this idea of 
we we set out with this expectation about our life, mm-hmm. and it's a step at a time. You know, it's it's this this revelation of what God is calling you to do next right. is the only thing you really need to be paying attention to now. Mm. And we often get so, at least I do, it can get so kind of caught up in where's this all going? What's this? And you want to try to manage the destination, right? When you lose sight then of what's right in front of you, what's your daily act of obedience. That was the mm. first takeaway that I took when I started talking to him. Well, I'm so glad I asked because I, I, it's funny. I, I listened intensely to that episode and I still missed that part of it. <laughs> what, okay. Tell me one more thing at least. Well, then the other is really getting then into the topic of his book. And he said something that really stood out to me. He said, if I'm going to be aware of what God is wanting to do now, think about this in the context of a bold idea, right? If I'm going to be aware of what God is wanting to do, then we need to think, I need to think counterculture. Jesus ran counterculture. He wasn't, he wasn't concerned about fitting in to the culture. He was concerned about transforming. It was, it was transformational. Right. And bigger than that. I know I'm skipping parts of this, uh, but I'm jumping to the thing that really stuck out to me Mm because I'm a really big relationships guy. You may not know that. <laughs> Do know that. <laughs> um, I, I don't have enough time to manage them. Be- I, I want so many of them, but I can't manage them all because I want them all, right? Mm-hmm. Here's how he said. He said, I think the biggest thing we have to be aware of is our relationships with each other. Yes. That's what I find disturbing in the culture war. Yes. It's not annoying. It's not aggravating. It's disturbing, right? And and I think that was a good word to use. He said, the reality is, as a believer, I don't have an enemy. I need yes. to have an enemy to have a war. Yes. And ke- and I, I just keep, I mean, this election just highlights so much of this, right? Totally. And then he says, every war needs a bad guy and a good guy. Jesus says, we only have one enemy. He's not flesh and blood. He's a thief, so on and so forth. When I am told that I am to engage in a war and fight an enemy that is not mine, it's not mine to fight. And Boom. later on, I love the way, and, and I'm skipping parts that he said through the interview, but he says this after he's talking about the lady that was about to be stoned and all this other stuff that was taking place. He says his thought on the reason why people drop the stones, he says, Jesus in his own way as a man of God was able to see them in their own hearts and that they were just like that woman, that she was holding the rock and they began to understand their sin and that was sufficient enough for her to pick up the stone, mm-hmm. basically saying in that moment, they create this commonality, realizing I am just as bad as you are, Yes, where the stone switches hands, right? Yep. And, and, and I think to me, the way he takes these situations and these relationships and gets you to step into someone else's shoes, even if it's not someone that you know, yeah. even if it's not someone that you have to have as a friend, but it's someone that you have to engage with, mm-hmm. you know? That that type of empathy, that type of relatability to take away that anger. Well, that, I think that's the big takeaway from this book, really, in the politically incorrect Jesus is is that to have a war, you have to have an enemy. Right. And yes. that's the big thing is that we don't have an enemy in other people. Right. And that's that's transformative as a right. thought. And we want to try to attach positions to people and then denigrate the people and destroy them in the process as opposed to and i love his distinction between middle ground and common ground yeah that whole story there i just thought was brilliant and what a great response Mm. you know and let's find common ground with people 
You know, he quoted Stephen Brown again in our interview as he did in his book when he said, righteousness without tears is arrogance. Love that. I just think I've never just, heard that before. It's just a book. brilliant observation. Yeah. And we often want to take and polarize a view that we have. And all, obviously, you know, there's something about all of us that believe our view is is the right one to have and everybody ought to have it. That's right. I keep telling my wife she doesn't believe me. <laughs> yeah, it's because she, she has her own view of that, right? Yeah. So, you know, but if we if we don't understand something about what's happening to other people and do it in a way that has compassion, yeah. then it's just it's just arrogance. Yeah. And I love how he says it's it's not our job to decide if someone is guilty or innocent or whether they deserve to be stoned, condemned or convicted or otherwise. He says, only job we have is to ask ourselves, are they to be loved like Jesus loved them or would love them? First love them, then forgive them. Then you can say just like Jesus, go and sin no more. Where I mean, he's literally turning the table, right? He's yeah. just saying, why do we go? We, we stone people to get them to see our way, basically, right? Yep. As if that's somehow going to change something. It's like me punching you and forcing you to believe what I believe as if that's going to be effective. Yeah. I might submit, but I'm going to go home and believe what I believe even more so now. Yeah. Now take this down a little bit. I mean, because it's easy to kind of talk about in terms of culture wars, you know, where you might be standing on an issue about abortion or immigration or whatever it is, right, that might be your issue. but. Take it down to kind of just, as you were talking about earlier, the interpersonal level, right? right. You're, you're in a meeting and you don't agree with somebody, right? Yeah. How easy is it to Every kind day. of polarize them and and make them the enemy? Right. As opposed to looking not for middle ground, but for common ground, finding the things that you can agree upon, respecting who they are as a person, understanding that that it isn't, as, as Joe said, we're not to raise a flag, we're not to raise a cause, we're not to raise a position. We are to instead raise the cross right yeah and that is the common ground that's the thing that we are to engage with other people to me this whole concept in this book and oh boy i can't recommend it enough i just like seriously page after page i'm like crossing stuff that are just like this is great just underlining passages in the in the book a lot of standout quotes from this book well we want to make sure you can get a copy of the politically incorrect jesus living boldly in a culture of unbelief and joe has agreed to provide a limited number of autographed copies of that book you can snag your own by simply leaving a review of our show on itunes and giving us a shout out on social media whatever is your favorite flavor twitter facebook linkedin google plus the way you can leave us a review on iTunes, if you're not familiar with how to do that, go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash review, and all the instructions on how to do that will be there. And you can find the show notes and the links to all of the stuff that we've talked about here, links to Joe's website at boldideapodcast.com forward slash three, the numeral three, and that'll get you right to the landing page. Right. And that's a great place for you to leave us any comment that you might have. If you have questions, even if it's not for us, maybe it is for Joe Battaglia. Leave it on there. Let's see if we can't get him to answer it for you guys. Let's interact. Let's get involved. This is about you. This isn't just about us. We're trying to share something with you guys so that we can get you involved. That's what it's about. So get interactive with us. Help us answer your questions and help us figure out what you want so we can provide it for you. And you can sign up to receive our show notices sent to your inbox at boldideapodcast.com. So please help us spread the word by telling your friends about the Bold Idea Podcast and how awesome it is. We'll see you next time. 
You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.